Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Anything that requires thought, calculation, consideration of other things rather than options, I think is load adding. Like, would you rather have a test with 40 multiple choice questions or 15 open response questions. Probably would rather do the multiple choice. Reason is because the answer is there for you, you're just choosing it from other options. It might take some work to, to kill off some of the other options. However, coming up with your own response from scratch is a, is a different ball game. And so whenever someone is asking you a, an open response question versus like, here's some options that I'm thinking about, choose one, that's, how I recommend in a lot of my videos that people adjust the way that they go about their question asking. Hello, hello. Welcome to 30 and a bit. My name is Pete and each episode I try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert. Today's question is, how can my partner and I share the mental labor? Today's amazing guest is my very first male guest since I started podcasting, so in like 60 plus episodes, <laughs> yes. So a warm welcome to Zachary Watson. Zachary is 33 years old and lives in Massachusetts. He has a daughter aged two and wants to create a more equitable world for his daughter. He is doing so by creating content about sharing the mental load in a relationship and offering consults for men and women that want to make progressive changes in their relationships. Welcome, Zach. Well, thank you for having me. I didn't I didn't realize. Uh, I mean, this just feels like a big deal. I'm honored to be your first male guest. It's yeah, it's, I'm so excited to have you. I I've always said I'll make an exception for having male guests if it's a really good story and it's a really good topic to also discuss with a man and this topic in particular is so interesting to discuss with a man so i'm very excited that you're the first one i think it's going to be great my very first question to every expert always is how are your 30s going so far um not to be you know i I know we live in a world where a lot of people are going through some tough times so i'm i'm careful to say that I feel like it's going really great because uh, I know that there's a lot of people struggling out there. But um, yeah, I think despite COVID, I, my 30th birthday was with my parents and my wife in masks and a birthday cake. And I wanted to have like big celebration, but uh, I finally, for my 33rd birthday, had a decent sized party after COVID. And then the next year, our we had a newborn then the following year, uh, our baby was six. We were in the hospital. So um, despite the moments of the actual birthdays, I feel like 30 has been going great. That's amazing. It's funny. I turned 30 as well in the middle of COVID. Uh, we're the same age. And also last year or this June, I finally celebrated my birthday again and had a bigger party. So it's funny that we both go. did the same yeah. thing. <laughs> 
We're going to talk about mental load, and I'm so excited because it's a term I've been hearing more and more, and I think it came onto my radar only a couple months ago. It's something you've been working on a lot longer. Um, but when I first heard about it, it triggered something inside of me straight away, and I think it will for a lot of women, especially people that haven't heard about this term before and only get to know about it during this episode. I think a lot of people will understand what we're talking about in no time. So can you please, in simple terms, explain what mental load means? Yeah, I would say mental load is the things that you're thinking about consistently that kind of weigh on you. The metaphor I like, uh, I made a video the other day that people seem to be resonating with is when you, I don't know if you use Chrome or whatever web browser you use, but we tend to, I know I personally open a ton of tabs and it's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to think about that later. I'm not going to close that one out. I'm going to think about that later. I'm not going to close that out. Um, you know, mental, some examples are you open up the refrigerator and you see the eggs and you think, oh, when are they going to expire? Do we need to buy new ones? Um, all those questions and thoughts that are, that are following up when you have information enter your brain. Uh, for I think a lot of guys, they're thinking about, um, is the money coming in this month? Um, am I performing the way I want to in my relationship for a lot of moms? Uh, it's, are, are the kids having too much screen time? Um, are they getting enough activities in? Uh, and I think we guilt and shame ourselves uh, in a lot of this. Uh, it's the things that keep us up at night as well. And what are some signs for an unbalanced mental load in a relationship or in a family? I think my best answer to that would be that people are feeling burnt out from the everyday. Um, that could be partially just a, a, a part of living in 2023, in, at least in America. Um, I feel like a lot of people are burnt out with the state of the economy and finances and how much, they, how much work they have to do at their job. I would say my wife felt burnout for a while. Uh, actually, she reflected with me in 2019 that she saw an article uh, that talked about mental load and remembers thinking like, this is groundbreaking. Zach needs to understand this. I'm going to gender a little bit of our conversation today just based off of a lot of the, the typical norms that I see in the comments section in my DMs. A lot of women, a lot of moms are holding a ton of the domestic labor, which is like the physical effort um, and the mental load associated with that, as well as the emotional labor that is the reason why they have the mental load. I'm sure there's a lot we can break down there. But uh, when you see one of my videos and you find yourself crying, there's a good chance that you are in an inequitable uh, moment uh, and or when you are finding your partner asking you silly questions or questions like, can you make me a list or how can I help? And you find yourself hitting rage mode. It's a good chance. Um, <laughs> the, there's some inequity in your home. <laughs> when there's rage, there's inequity. I like that. Do you feel like out of the comments and out of the research that you've read that it gets worse when there are kids involved? Yeah, Absolutely. It occurs to me that there are men out there and think, oh, like someone will take care of that. Like that's another chore around the house. Um, when in reality, if your workload is currently, yet, say, 100 chores that have to get done on a consistent basis in your house, it just went up to 700, not another 100, uh, not even another 50. But I think it's like an astronomical, like a, an exponential level order higher 
of like responsibilities and thinking required to manage the life of a another human being and, and just trying to make sure they stay alive for the first like two years. Never mind <laughs> making sure that they become like well rounded human beings. Yes, <laughs> totally. You just gave some uh, some examples. One of them was, can you make me a list? Can you give us some more examples of what are called load causing questions instead of load relieving questions? Can we start with the load causing questions examples? Sure. Uh, and, and by the way, so this is this right here is my mental load series. I'm on part 126 for the most part. Uh, and a lot of these are examples that either I've done directly in my relationship with my wife um, or I am hearing consistently in the comments. So that first one, hey, can you make me a list um, rather than writing it for me? Um, hey, what do we need uh, to go grocery shopping? What time do we need to be there? Anything that requires thought, calculation, consideration of other things rather than options, I think is load adding. And I think I have a, a unique way of seeing this because I was a math teacher for eight years. Like, would you rather have a test with 40 multiple choice questions or 15 open response questions? And the higher the level of the math test is, like the more likely you're probably would rather do the multiple choice. Reason is because the answer is there for you. You're just choosing it from other options. It might take some work to, to kill off some of the other options. However, coming up with your own response from scratch is a, is a different ball game. And so whenever someone is asking you a, an open response question versus coming back and saying, um, like, here's some options that I'm thinking about, choose one. That's, how I recommend in a lot of my videos that people adjust the way that they go about their question asking. There are some great examples in your, uh, your TikTok series. So you've got, for example, your partner is asking you, can you pick me up a coffee on your way home? And instead of being like, yeah, what coffee would you like? It's like, normally you have a latte with oats. Is that okay with you now? Or would you like me to get you another drink? Um, you have so many more of those examples. Like, I'm, a, I'm taking care of dinner tonight. Would you like Mexican or Indian tonight? Or would you like something else completely? And you're taking away the open questions, which I think yeah. is amazing. That's such a good way of, of explaining it to people. I, I've heard this study before. I forget which country it is. But so in America, if you want to be an organ donor, uh, on your license, you have to check the box to become an organ donor. In other countries... Um, you like Belgium, to, yeah, you and the like Netherlands. Uncheck the box uh, if you don't yeah. want to be. And so I think it, the stat was like, I'm going to get this wrong. It's a like 30, 50, 70% more organ donors because of that tiny little bit of friction about responding to that question. Because um, people are like, oh, this is the norm. We're going to be organ donors. Cool. Uh, versus you have to have a strong opinion to like decline that. Um, and so similarly, I think that's if it's just enough decision fatigue to check that box and that changes our world think about what that's yeah. doing with those hundreds or thousands of choices that are coming in a month within a relationship so like you had said the the coffee example of saying hey this is what i'm going to get coffee i'm going to give you multiple choices i was thinking i would get you this kind of coffee that i know you like and this breakfast sandwich um here's choice a a and B, B, uh, and C is other with the open 
open space, which is like, is there something else you like on here? Um, and I think another video that um, people really resonated with was how can I help? Um, a guy was asking, like, he was trying to ask like a really just open-ended question saying, hey, what's the problem with me asking my wife, how can I help? And so in her brain, she's thinking, all right, I have six, th- I have six tabs open. I have six things he, he could probably do. Let's see that first one. Is he going to do it? Uh, he's not going to get that one right. He has, there's more back information that I would need to also deliver. And by the time that I've delivered that back information, he will be asking me more questions and it would have been quicker for me to do it myself. Uh, the second one, okay, I guess he could probably do that, but he's probably still going to ask me two more questions. Um, let's see, can he do that? It's so like the amount, the length of the response that I just had, that was like, 15, 20, 30 seconds for a really simple question. So again, if we can be coming back, I think the example I gave was, um, oh, it's, it's a mess in here. Like, what can I do to help versus, oh, it's a mess in here. The baby just puked. I'm seeing that the dog is about to walk through it. I'm going to bring the dog outside. I'm going to start in giving them default answers if they say nothing. I'm going to start cleaning up the puke while it looks like you have the baby. Uh, if you strip her down, I will put, I will manage the clothes and get them in the wash if you want to be with the baby, or I'm happy to take over with baby care. And what that does is, okay, they can actually not respond at all and they know what's going to happen. They know that they're being supported and they also are not being told what to do in a controlling way that they can't also choose if there's like a different need that they need met in that moment. I had a funniest conversation with my husband this morning. We have this thing on Mondays called Admin Monday. It's in our calendar every Monday. We just try to get go through the week or if there's any travel that we have that we need planning. You're reacting really excited. <laughs> so we try to update that calendar throughout the week with things that we need to discuss in that hour and we really try to stick to it. And this morning he goes, why don't we have the recurring task of um, cleaning out the dishwasher, vacuum cleaning, and laundry on that. I'm like, I don't want to put that on there because that's way more recurring than a weekly Monday evening thing. Like, And it's also, mm. I might do laundry Sunday this week instead of on the Monday. Like, I don't think that's helpful to put that as a recurring thing on our calendar because it's just way too irregular. Like, it's always on different days. Instead, I would love for you to just come home and see that there's dog hair on the stairs and grab the vacuum cleaner, whether it's a Monday or not. And don't ask me, what can I do or how can I help? But just like, okay, we've got a dog. This house needs to be vacuumed every other day. Let me do that. I would love to give some input on that. Um, Yes. So first off, I'll say that I think this might be a slight overgeneralization, but and might be controversial almost, but I would say that 99% of the problems that a lot of the couples and guys that I work with could be solved if they're having robust conversations like what you just described. And the first time that I talk with somebody that is looking at working with me, I ask, how often are you having low emotion conversations about the tough things in your in your life? And they're like, what do you mean? And I say, well, the last time that she yelled at you for not doing the dishes or taking the trash out or something. Um, Did you guys have a repair conversation? Did you talk about it later when both of you weren't pissed or annoyed or frustrated? And they're like, 
No, that never happens. So like what you just talked about is a really perfect example of how to preventatively deal with some of those things ahead of time. And you can come prepared to that conversation with repairs. So I think there's a ton of value in what you guys are doing. And I really applaud you for sticking to that. And the pushback I'm going to give, and part of this is I don't, I don't fully understand how your meetings go. So it could be that maybe it is an inappropriate use of that time, but you just, the, the dog hair on the stairs, right? So have you, the two of you had a conversation around the minimum standard of care around what that looks like? No, that's a really good question. His standard is very far from my standard. I'm way too OCD, according to him. And he he's fine with like not vacuum cleaning for four or five days. So that's a really good point. It's We're very far apart. So what I would say is when he is introducing and saying that he wants to add something like that to the meeting, it's a yes and a no. Yes, that I think you should add it to the meeting in terms of talking about what that standard of care is and meeting in the middle versus the really simple of like, hey, this needs to get done. Like, yes, we know it both needs to get done, um, but let's let's take some of that hour every week to make an iteration of like, all right, and sorry, what's your husband's name? Oscar. Oscar. So Oscar uh, is is going to own managing the hair on the stairs this week. And not in a like competitive way, not in a, um, not in like a deconstructive way, but over the week, Pete, you watch how he does it. And when you come back on Monday, you say, hey, so like, I felt like that was a little bit too slow of a cadence for that. Um, I know that I notice hair more frequently than you do. But I think if I'm able to look at the stairs in a three second period and notice a single hairball, that's too much for me. Um, if you are able to look up in three minutes, can you see a hairball right now? And you'd be like, yeah, I saw one. Okay. Then I think that could be a minimum standard of care. It's like, if you can take a three second look and notice anything on there, then maybe that's, that's when it needs to get done. Like creating a litmus test or creating like some kind of standard. And that's hard to create a standard for like sticking to these odd, oddly quantifiable, like ways of looking at things. People don't put the effort into the relationships to have those structured conversations. And if we started treating, I'm going to go on a tiny bit of a tangent here, but I think because we we don't have the villages that we used to uh, in in earlier days in the 50s and 60s, um, we become much more siloed in getting our needs met and getting the operations of the house done. And so because we're much more siloed, we have to treat our homes much more like a business um, and have operations meetings and have expectations and budget meetings. Like because we're siloed, and we don't have, I mean, we don't necessarily have uh, five neighbors coming in to drop in a lasagna when you're feeling sick. Um, you don't have the neighbors that have the kids next door that you can say, hey, I'm really not feeling well today. I need to drop them off with you. Can't tell you the level of mental that was taken off the other day. Went So my wife um, had some emergency surgery the other day. She's, she's doing very well in her recovery. And my toddler has a double ear infection. 
Um, so I've, I've been managing a good amount of things. And my mother-in-law came over the other day. She did the dishes and did the laundry and like didn't even ask about it. That level of support in a lot of places doesn't exist. I didn't realize until it was done and she pointed out, she like asked a question about, I was like, are you doing the laundry right now? Um, <laughs> like blew my mind that someone could like show up and, and just do that. Um, and I think that is a level of standard that I think a lot of women out there deserve to be able to have and sadly um, need to have a lot of critical, specific conversations around that to see that that standard's being upheld. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I think another amazing example that I definitely want to implement in my family was... Um, a lot of people go to the shops and say, send me a list, which requires a lot of thinking. The way you're suggesting people go about this is I'm going to the shop. I've created this list. I'm sending it to you now. I'm going in four hours. If you'd like me to pick anything else up outside of this list, let me know, which is such a good way of thinking about it. Because anytime Oscar goes to the shop, he tells me, WhatsApp me what you need. And I will but he's probably already thought about half of these items because they're very standard items that we have in the house. It's oatmeal, it's bananas, it's oat, like it's lots of these, the same groceries week after week. So turning it around and being like, this is what I'm getting. What would you, what else would you like is so much better. That actually blew my mind when I saw that example. <laughs> and uh, I was at a coaching call this morning where and I, I feel like this is relevant, so I'll add it in. Um, so chat GPT, right, is all the rage these days using AI to answer our questions. Um, I personally use it. I, I swear this relates. Um, I personally <laughs> use it for when I'm about to send an email. Um, I'll say to chat GPT, I'm even too lazy to type it. I, I click the little like um, a voice to text button. I say, <sighs> can you write me an email letting Pete know that I'm good for that time on the calendar for our podcast? I want to talk about X, Y, and Z expectations and topics. And uh, here's a recommendation that I have that we talk about. And it types it all up for me. And uh, comparatively to writing a blank email from scratch versus making a couple edits to a pre-written email is I think is a lot more than, than we're willing to acknowledge in a lot of ways. So when we're able to have those default answers and make some adjustments to it versus coming up from scratch, like makes a world of a difference, especially when there's a lot of them and it becomes like exponential mental load. Yes, absolutely. Um, we've been talking about these the mental labor, especially in heterosexual relationships, do you see it in homosexual relationships as well? Or is it really kind of a gender role that women and men slot into together? So I can't speak from direct experience. I do not have any um, homosexual couples that I work with currently. Um, 
One thing I will say is I know that in the fair play book, um, in the method, they actually went to a lot of homosexual couples to sort of look at how, how do they deal with things. And a really interesting thing that was brought up was that because they don't have those like traditional norms to like sort of accidentally slide into, um, it requires a lot more intentional conversation to say, all right, who's going to own this thing? Who's going to manage this thing? And so because, because there's no like, um, for, I hope, I hope this isn't offensive. Like if you have two, normally you have the, the circle and the square peg and now you have two square pegs. All right. Well, if one fits in the square peg, well, what do we want that person, the other square peg to, to do all the typical roles of the circular peg? No, let's pull that one back out and like redefine what, what those roles are. So the conversations around expectations are seem to be happening more frequently in people that need to to make it up because they don't they don't have a blueprint that they've seen in movies and their parents and cultural right. at large i'm wondering if you could give our listeners and me some tips on how you can bring up the inequity of mental load in a relationship without someone feeling attacked because I can imagine a lot of men in our generation feel like they're quite modern and they're helping out a lot more. Also, the the data shows they're helping out a lot more in the household than our fathers used to. But it's still not equal enough. Still, the women, I want to say, like somewhere between 30 and 40%, we do more than men when it comes to unpaid labor in, in a house. So how do you go about these conversations without making them feel attacked and like they're not doing enough. So it's a really tough question for me to answer, and and I'll I'll preface it with this. I I would argue that I got in trouble uh, the other day by attempting to make a video like this, um, and it's because I missed the context of the the level of disappointment that there is for women out there that they need to continue bearing the emotional labor for how to softly share this message with their partner (laughs) rather than the fact that men should be leaning in and learning this on their own. So I want to preface it with, I I don't want you to need to have to figure out a palatable way to share that. And honestly, that's the purpose of my videos. Um, Half selfishly, half like I'm trying to do the work for you, share my videos with them as a talking point. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't want you to have to do that emotional labor to like make it palatable. All right. Having said that, here's what I think works well for people that are not burned out and are trying to get their partner to lean in and they're really committed to continuing to have a long-term relationship. I think um, they're going to feel attacked one, when you just send the video with no context. So start with, give context for if you are sharing a video that's exemplifying it. Don't do the comedy videos to try to do more of the educational ones. Secondly, secondly, (laughs) or this episode, (laughs) this podcast episode. Yeah. uh, Secondly, I would say, I think that, and this is what I said in that video the other day without the context was, um, I think a lot of guys are starting to hear the word mental health. Like if you're bringing up that specific word, it's very associated with domestic labor and a woman's like experience. And so I think a lot of guys are not feeling 
um, like it's something that they also have. And so they get triggered and like, oh, I'm going to talk about mental load again. Like, here we go again. If you can help him see where he is taking on mental load in his life, and he can see that it's an objective thing, not a gendered thing, that there's a better opportunity for him to just understand objectively what it is and start seeing it for you too. So let's say they're a manager. Uh, I know, I made a video once about the mental load I put on my manager once and I got I got permission from him to post it. Um, it was, I was asking for one of the, where one of the procedures was for when one of our customers had a billing problem. And I said, hey, uh, you know, what do I do in this situation? And I knew in the back of my mind that there was, there was a procedure for it. And I could probably search on our company repository to find it. Um, but I asked him instead because I figured he could point me quicker than it would be for me to go find it myself. When guys are able to hear examples where they're bearing it, they're like, oh, I have mental load too. This isn't just a problem that she deals with. This is like an everybody problem. And I think when they can see that it's an everybody problem and that it's not just around domestic labor, I think they're going to be much more likely to lean in. And I think the third piece I'll say in sort of making it a little bit more palatable for them is if you can come from a place of vulnerability and, and some ownership saying, hey, I've been having a really hard time communicating about um, this problem that I'm dealing with. And I'm sorry, I've been like holding back and resenting you for it. Um, and, I, and I'm working on that. Whatever you say next, I think is going to be received a lot better than Hey, so you know, the other day when you didn't do the dishes, that really pissed me off. Um, <laughs> so I, I think if you can come from a place of like vulnerability, ownership, I think it's going to be a bit more palatable. That's a really good idea. I think um, trying to give them an example of where like in their work, like what you're saying about your manager, trying to find a situation where they would have experienced there. That's a really good idea. I know that, again, sort of a, a gendered or a, a typical way is like a lot of guys are doing the lawn care, the, the mowing of the lawn the and cars. I personally don't change oil in my car, so it's lost on me. But um, I know a lot of guys out there are managing the lawn. They're paying attention to the grass. Like, oh, does it need to be mowed this week? Oh, are we going to need to get um, you know leaf bags that the, the, the leaves are coming down? Those small things, um, that's mental health. Um, and that might be something that he's bearing and could be a good opportunity for you just to introduce the vocabulary. I think that vocabulary is uh, a, another surprisingly important part of this whole conversation is when we can start using these words to define things, they are no longer invisible and we can talk about them directly. Um, it's, it's a simpler conversation. This is a good bridge to another video I saw of yours where you're giving someone the permission to make an executive decision on a particular thing, on a question. They're ask, someone's asking you something, you're like, I don't really care enough about this to think about it or whatever the outcome is, I'll be pleased with it. I'm giving you the executive uh, permission or I'm giving you the permission to make an executive decision. I think that's a line I'm going to throw in a little bit more often. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the one I did with my my dad. Uh, yes, we we're at a we we're at a wedding. Uh, it was on a beach, and uh, I guess my mom had a very specific way that she wanted 
the chairs to be managed. I guess there, there are some nice beach chairs or something. And uh, he called while she was in the shower and I picked up the phone because I saw it was him. And I, I could see him from a distance. And he's like, hey, uh, can you ask your mom like what, what we should do with the beach chairs? And I was like, dad, I, I, think, I think you got this one. I actually don't <laughs> think you need her, her input on this one. And I give you permission to make an executive decision. So here's the hard part is I know there's a handful of guys that could turn that into weaponized incompetence. And they're like, oh, all right, well, I'm just going to throw them wherever. Um, I also mm. think they're a surprisingly large population that women are going to assume are going to do that, but they actually do care. And they're, they're probably not putting in as much thought as you might want, um, but I think are like putting in an effort and the thought. Um, and so what I would recommend is when you're giving them some executive decision-making choice, if they don't do it as you would have hoped or expected, try to come at it lightly. Say, oh, surprise you did that. Um, if it were me, I think I would have gone this way. When I will be giving Oscar um, executive or permission for an executive decision, I think a trap for me personally is going to be, oh, I'm not at all happy with how you ended up solving that. And you mentioned it earlier as well. A lot of women are like, oh, I won't give you this task because I'm got, by the time I've explained all the steps and how to do it and what, what makes me happy, um, I could have done it myself. So I think this is also a thing I really need to learn. And I've spoken about this before on the podcast. I also have this as a manager, as a people's manager in a company. I often am like, I'll do it because it's more quickly. And it gets done at a level that I'm really happy about. But that doesn't necessarily make you a good manager or a good partner because you need to give the other person the opportunity as well. And you might be surprised with the outcome is what I've learned over the last little while. So I think when you give someone permission, you also got to give them the space and be almost okay with whatever the outcome is that they've done. Like, look, if they've completely just threw it away and they just did not put any care in it that's a different story but if you can tell that they've put a little bit of effort into it and a bit of thought then you kind of i think will probably just have to live with that mm. and, and i want to throw in one other thing as a as a still trying to um manage the concern of the adding extra emotional labor for women is for example when you were talking when we were talking about like the the dog hair on your steps if you're having, let's say for four weeks, it takes you guys to come up with a standard of care that you can both agree on that he has the concept of that that might be a little bit less than your standard, but but you would rather have him doing it closer to his way than you doing it. The long-term results of that is you can now count on that for another month and another year in another five years and yeah you might have to have iterative conversations a year from now like hey think uh since that original like thing we got another dog and so that <laughs> might need to be that you know there's black hair now not just the white hair um like yeah it's going to be something that long term needs to have iterations to it but um doing that work up front having those tough conversations up front really does save tons of time. And it's the question of whether we have the courage to have those or not. 
Yes, I could not agree more. I think you're so right. You've got a PDF um, that people can download on your website, and in it, it says, which I find the funniest thing, before asking a question, consider if the fridge, your dresser, or Google has the answer. Because <laughs> it's I, true. I'm guilty of it all the time. As I, All the time, I feel like it's something that, that Alyssa's thought about recently and might have an easily accessible answer in their head, which is easier than me doing you know, five minutes of research to come to a conclusion on my own. Um, and the, the lost time and momentum on what they were doing previously of whatever they were thinking about or doing, switching tasks to answer your question, then coming back to it is the invisible cost of all these questions that we're asking. And so Interesting, yeah. I think that has a lot more value than we realize, especially I know that during COVID, a lot of parents discovered this when they had a child in their lap trying to do work. Us being able to acknowledge the, the continuous startup cost of re-going down a thought train um, is, yeah. is more valuable than we realize. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I'm happy you gave that last example. The final question I ask at the end of every episode is, if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? I think it's that they ought to have a little more hope in men than I think exists out there. Um, I've been not, I don't know if blown away is the right word, but I think a lot of times I'll get onto a call with guys and find myself emotional with how much they care and how much they're struggling and how much they want to make change. Um, and I think there's more of those guys out there than we realize. That could be the optimist in me, but I, I really feel like as much as I know there, there are a lot of crappy dudes out there that are not putting in the effort that have learned helplessness and are happy with that learned helplessness and are weaponizing competence. I think there's 10 times more out there that do care. My favorite DMs are guys saying, thank you for making these free videos that you do. Our conversations have been getting way better at home. Um, and like, thank you for putting yourself out there and showing where you're failing, Zach, um, so that I can see where I'm failing and not feel terrible about it. Um, yeah, I, I think there's more hope to be had out there than, than many realize. I agree. And I think we should also give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's all try to change the conversation and have them take over some of the emotional labor. And we might be really surprised at the end of it, but there's only one way of finding out. And that's by actually bringing this conversation up by sharing this podcast with them or um, sharing your TikTok videos with them. We got to give them a chance to prove themselves. Yeah. And I think a lot of times we we think that they've had the time to prove themselves when we're courting, when we're dating, um, maybe when we're first married before kids, as your circumstances change, um, there's a lot of change that's going to come with that. They're humans too. They change too. Yes, totally. I think for me, three really big things that I will take away from this episode is one, the, the dog hair and figuring out what the level is of where it should be. And then also expecting him to just grab the vacuum cleaner and doing it. The uh, giving someone permission to make an executive decision. I'm really into that one. 
And finally, the grocery list. Being like, I'm going to the shop. This is what I'm getting. If there's anything more you'd like, uh, add it to the list. I think those those are three massive takeaways that um, I will implement. If we all give ourselves more space to fail, I think we'd be a lot happier. Yes, I totally agree. It's funny. My husband and I, Oscar and I had this conversation Whereas sometimes just I don't feel like it's balanced enough. And we, I feel like we have to have that conversation every couple of months, which I find really exhausting. But he's like, no, I do think we should have that conversation every couple of months because situations change. Um, the circumstances change. So to your point, giving someone permission to fail and then reiterate, talk about it, try again. And just like... I, I can keep adding on. I'm going to stop doing that. <laughs> well, I think people should definitely follow you on TikTok because you share amazing videos every day. Your TikTok is at ZachThinkShare and your Instagram is RealZachThinkShare. And in the show notes of this episode, we'll put a link in which people can book a free discovery call with you and then see if they want to keep working with you from there. Um, I hope a lot of people will share both your TikTok with their partners as well as this podcast to kind of start this conversation because I think this will really help in a lot of relationships. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and I really want to thank you for this conversation. I really enjoyed learning more about it. Again, I've got a couple um, things that I need to work on personally and in my, my marriage, and I'm excited to get started. Love it. Uh, I, I'm excited to get an email from you in a couple of weeks saying that, wow, uh, I don't, I don't really vacuum up the hairballs as much here. I think you got it down. <laughs> God, the dream. I cannot wait to write that email. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It truly means the world having you here. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at 30 and a bit podcast and leave a five-star review on Spotify and Apple. It really helps with growing. We will be back. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.